Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. This is your host, Jazz Bear, and today's guest is Terry Pierce. Terry is a bespoke learning designer and founder of 360 Learning Design. He provides uh, learning design solutions to organizations across UK since 2005. His passion is, is games-based learning, gamification and learning. Learning Design has won awards from Read Learning, the Healthcare People Management Association, and the NHS London Modernization Agency. And first of all, Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Bear. Today we're going to talk about a bit about gamification. Before I kind of we we talk about that, let's get to know you a little bit. How did you kind of get into training and and especially gamification, what kind of brought you to that? Yeah, it's been kind of a long journey, actually. Uh, so I started off training uh, 20 years ago, and that was working in telecoms, first of all, and then in the NHS. First of all, just training people in kind of customer service, moving on to kind of a, a few more general soft skills and, and a bit of line management. And then for the last 15 years, I've uh, been kind of working for myself in various, various ways. 15 years ago is when I first started 360. And over that time, uh, you know, I really started to focus in on the design side of things. Uh, I mean, I love delivery. Uh, I love being in the classroom, uh, although that's not been happening so much recently, obviously. But I've found, uh, I think, my passion over the years uh, and really kind of niched down into it in more recent times of the design side of things. So it's actually putting together the, uh, the learning solution um, and kind of thinking up more creative ways to get the learning across. Um, so that kind of uh, has taken up more and more of my focus and my time over, uh, you know, over the years. Um, and then, you know, just in the last few years in particular, I uh, really found that some of the most effective learning that I was designing was uh, very playful, very enjoyable, uh, and started to learn more and more about gamification, games-based learning, put more and more of that into action, getting really, really good results. So that's kind of the focus of things now. And I've just recently actually started a, a second uh, company alongside 360. So 360 uh, is based on uh, more general learning design, but I now have uh, Untold Play, which is my uh, gamification company. Awesome. Now let's talk a bit about kind of gamification. Um, is it, um, you know, every now and then we, we start, we see, we see a new trend come up. And for me personally, um, I've started to hear this word gamification again and again. What, what is gamification? Yeah, first sure. Of all? Um, simplest. At its simplest, it's uh, taking the things that make games appealing to people. So anything that brings people back to games of any kind, whether it's computer games or whether it's really things like chess or anything at all, but anything that keeps people coming back again and again to games and finding out, okay, what is that? What is the thing that ke- about this game or about games in general that keeps people coming back again and again to them and then trying to take that and apply it to something that's not a game? So in my case, mostly that's learning, but people also use gamification a lot for uh, making people more likely to take any kind of action. So uh, engaging with websites and marketing campaigns uh, or um, membership, uh, membership structures, you know, getting members more involved in a community, that kind of thing. So anything that takes those structures and what makes games effective and uses it to motivate people, really. Is there, a, in what, what situations, you know, you mentioned some of the scenarios, but where does it apply or where does it not apply? Where is it effective and where is it not effective? I think if it's done right, it can be effective almost anywhere where you want people to take an action. But part of it being done right is about 
doing it in places where I think you're not trying to trying to force things too much. I think some people kind of uh, see gamification a little bit of a gets, gets a little bit of a bad rep sometimes. I think, and it's partly because somebody's taken things in a really crude and basic way and tried to just bolt them onto something. You know, taking some of the things like scores or points that games have, and just said, okay, yeah, if we put scores or points on something, that'll gamify and that'll get people really engaged and it doesn't quite work like that. I think sometimes it can be really subtle. So I think if you choose the right kind of gamification for the right job, you can use it almost anywhere. Right. In terms of, uh, you know, talking about organizations, especially, what what can they do? How can they use that to kind of, uh, especially when it comes to motivation, encouragement and engagement, how can they use to, to do that? What's this application when it comes to kind of, for big business, especially? Yeah, yeah. All kinds, really. I mean, you can talk about internal and external gamification for a start. So you can think about internal gamification where you're saying, okay, we want our people to be more motivated or we want them to take certain actions. We want them to be more in line with health and safety regulations or we want them to take their personal development more seriously or something like that. And if you think about how you can use the elements and then and the trappings of games to, to kind of uh, motivate them along that path, that can work really well. Um, but also definitely external gamification. So it's, it's used a lot in marketing and for customers so to get customers, to keep customers, to keep customers engaged and doing more, getting more involved and more identifying with, uh, with the business. And, and how, how difficult is it to uh, integrate? I can imagine, you know, if someone, especially for a business, it might be a lot easier to, when it comes to their customers, you can have something on, the, on your website or, or somewhere where you can, they could play a game and they could get a result at the end. And, you know, that, perhaps works well for marketing. How well does it work for, uh, so how is, easy is it to integrate when it comes to, you know, um, implementing in, inside your organization? Well, I mean, most of my experience there is, is, is with learning. So I'll talk most about that, but I have, uh, you know, come across and, and looked yeah. at kind of case studies for ones where it is about uh, engaging with, with, with things beyond learning. But for instance, if you've got, uh, say, a, a learning management system and you're saying, okay, we want you to take advantage of all of the uh, learning and development that we're offering to our employees. You could do that in a really kind of straightforward way where, you know, it's a, it's a menu and they can go on and they can look at what's available and they can uh, book themselves places and that's fine. But then if you build something around that where people are, for example, just to, just to some really basic examples, if they're gaining kind of badges or certifications which they can see on a kind of dashboard, for instance, or you're getting something where, you know, similar to how you'd see on, on, on a lot of games, there are kind of achievements to unlock, you know, people who've done all of a certain range of courses or people who've done, yeah. um, you know, a, a lot of courses in a short space of time or something like that. So, I mean, these are quite basic ways. And, and again, you need to be careful not just to be doing something in too crude a way, but definitely, uh, you know, it's just giving an indication, I think, there that, that you know, you can, you can start to say, instead of doing this in a really kind of vanilla, straightforward way, how can we make it more motivating to people? Because I think if you, if you think about games and how they motivate people, you know, people spend hours and hours and hours coming back and back to things like Candy Crush or Minecraft or Farmville, uh, as well as kind of, uh, you know, more complex games, you know, Call of Duty or things on computers. People spend their entire lives devoting their lives to, to chess or bridge. So, you know, if you can tap into just a little bit of that energy rather than making people do things because they think they have to, you can make them want to do things. Um, so yeah, I want to share an experience. Um, do you use Audible yeah, at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You do? Okay. 
I, I do too. At, at one point, um, it, it kept on nagging me about looking at the stats tab. So I started looking at the stats tab and I said, the more you read, the longer you read. And it has all these stats. And I got really into that stats. And I, at, one, at one point, I thought that's really good. It's kind of keeping me motivated. I'm reading one book after another. And it then kind of lost its purpose because, yes, I'm reading a lot of bo- listening to a lot of books rather. I'm not learning anything. I'm just speeding through just to get more mm. points and more more of that. How do you kind of find and strike the right balance? Where I'm coming from is I'm sure it's not mm. a cheap system or a not, not a cheap way to put it in, implement it in. And you don't want to put it in, try it going, yeah, it works, but not as well. And now we've got to change it. How do you kind of make sure beforehand you implement this and you, and you get it right or as close as, to, as, as, yeah, as you want it to be? Yeah, that's a really great question. And it fits with my own experience as well of other similar things. So I do... Uh, a lot of work, a lot of uh, language learning on Duolingo, for instance, um, and some of the mechanisms that they have on there are really good in theory, but they've had to play around with them. So, for instance, there's a thing with a streak. So you've got a streak of a number of days you've done in a row. But actually, uh, what yeah. we found was that it did motivate people. A lot of the time, if people lost their streak, they just gave up altogether and just went, uh, you know, stopped stopped using the the app. So they had to kind of try and build in things to balance that. And the reason I use that example is because. For me, that, that shows how you kind of get past some of these things because people are really complex and they're really unpredictable. Um, and you can look at what they did in similar circumstances and try and design for that. But you're never going to know entirely how people are going to act. So one of the most important things, I think, if you're designing games or gamification of any kind is to, first of all, think of things from the player's point of view, from the user's point of view, and, and think about the experience and how it's going to feel for them. And then secondly, to uh, have it as a kind of iterative process to, to make sure that it's really kind of play tested and so that you're not kind of saying, okay, in my head, this is going to work perfectly. And then we're going to get it, you know, polished up to a fine sheen and then launch it on an unsuspecting, uh, you know, uh, group who may or may not use it in the way you thought. If, you, if you're kind of play testing little elements of it with a group or you're play testing a kind of draft or, or a beta kind of version, then you can make adjustments as you go. You know, one of the things that, you know, while you were saying that it was, I've always been intrigued by this is, I know things like Facebook and, you know, Instagram, all these social media platforms, they have scientists and consultants that come in that make sure that they create buttons and things which are press the right buttons for us and we get addicted to it. How do you kind of, and obviously, as you, as you are aware that currently that attention spans very mm. tiny. We don't want, I understand the point that we don't want to get people hooked onto it and just do it for the sake of it. We want encourage change in behavior. It's all about that at the end of the day. How do you kind of work with people that aren't very, um, perhaps not into gaming or don't respond to that too well? What, or, and then also what kind of ratio have you found in terms of people responding well to it and compared to not responding too well to it? Well, I think this is where I come back to what I was saying earlier about the right kind of gamification for different things. Because if you've got an audience that you have, you know, through your research, through your experience of them, you're fairly sure will are kind of really used to the trappings of games, that they're really into the idea, they play a lot of games themselves, then you're probably not going to have too much trouble with the kind of thing it's talking about. But um, if you're talking about people who perhaps don't, people who might still games aren't for me, it doesn't mean you have to abandon the whole idea. I think um, you know there there are so many things which are part of or potentially part of gamification, and if you do some of them in really subtle ways, you're really just talking about human motivation. You know, you're talking about things like if, if we just take some really simple game elements. If we take say uh, feedback, 
So you might think, well, that's so simple. It's, it's, it's you know, almost not worth thinking of it ever as a game element. But it, if you're thinking of feedback and narrative um, and meaningful choices, these are all kind of game elements. You know, that somebody who's doing an adventure game, for instance, will have a narrative of what's going on with them and they have to make meaningful choices and they get feedback on those choices as to how well, that, how good a choice it was and what that means for the continuing narrative. So there's just three really basic elements, which you can do in a really subtle way so that people don't really feel like, oh, I'm playing a game. You know, you're saying to someone, well, this is a business scenario. This is a serious business scenario that's drawn from, you know, real life or, you know, made to simulate real life. And actually what we want to do is talk you through it and get you to say, what would you do? And then match that to, you know, best practice. So it's all quite serious stuff in a way, or it can be, but you're taking some of the things that, that steer you through a game being effective and applying them to that scenario. Sure. I'm learning to play the piano. And, uh, you know, I tried pretty much all the apps and they have similar kind of things of, uh, you know, you like Duolingo and other apps, you know, kind of they've gamified it where you do a lesson and gives you a take and all that kind of good stuff. But I felt myself, I lacked, it kind of, I lost touch with it. And I'm, and I'm not that old to kind of not be in games. I am into games, not as heavily now, but I found that my own motivation is far more great and powerful than, than, than that was. And, and, and what kind of, I was thinking about it, why, why has it worked for me? Why have I been consistently playing the piano? Why have, been, why have I been consistently meditating, for example? Because I've tried those apps, mm. I'm sure you have as well, where you have, um, what is it called? Uh, habit trackers. They have kind of similar as well, where you do 21 days. And, and I've done the 60 days and I've done that with one thing. And then, you know, I, I lose track and, and, and then it doesn't work very well. But now that I've kind of quit all those apps and online stuff, it seems like it's working really well for me. I'm on a good streak, three, four months, a lot longer than where I was before. I have had breaks in the middle or couldn't do it for whatever reason. I've still managed to carry on. And I was wondering what the difference was between the apps and that wall. And it almost seemed like that I could see mm. progress. I could actually yeah. see progress rather yeah. than an app telling oh. me. And that was the kind of key massive difference for me, which mm. I picked up. So for people, you know, that want to pick up or, you know, behavior, change behaviors, learn new actions or do something at work, whatever that might be, maybe perhaps you can share an example from one of your clients or, or, or Nario. How do they gamify something for them? Because they might mm. not have the same level of awareness I had when I kind of deleted all the apps, habit tracking apps, and I started doing it. And I was like, yeah, this is rough. I want to quit. And I said, okay, I'll carry on, see what happens. And then the following week, I'm like, oh, I can do mm. this a lot better. So I, I've had that awareness and, and it's worked really well for me. What do you advise to people who want to you know, change a habit or something? How can they gamify or do something around that? I mean, first of all, I think one of the key things you're talking about there is the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, uh, as is often talked about. Uh, right. And there's, there's a, a, quite a lot of kind of theories and studies of motivation that, that kind of delve into that and, and divide motivators up into these two camps. And the, the, the intrinsic motivators are the ones, like you're saying, where you feel yourself getting better and you want to do it for yourself because you're, you're feeling better about yourself or you're feeling better about life or whatever, because of this thing that's happening. Whereas your extrinsic motivator is, you know, you, you still, or it can certainly be, still you want to do it, but it's because of something, some reward you're getting, something external. So you feel like, okay, yeah, I want more of these points. I want more of this, this, this streak, these badges. But the thing itself isn't kind of driving you forward. And I think one of the things that happens a lot when people try to gamify things is that they latch onto the 
extrinsic motivators. And these are things like points and leaderboards and badges. And they do that because, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because they're easier. They're easier to do. It's easier to tell somebody, okay, you're top of the class. You get 50 points for that. You get a badge. Than it is to try and work out, okay, how am I going to get somebody to feel a real sense of progress that they take pride in? That's much harder. But I think you can, you can do that. It just takes a little bit more time and thought and that kind of whole playtesting loop that I was talking about before. So if you're getting people to try something out for themselves and kind of feel how it's, how it's uh, kind of changing things for them. So, I mean, if I give you an example, so uh, something that uh, I kind of uh, co-designed and then ran many times as part of a, an influencing uh, skills uh, workshop. So this is a kind of a one-day workshop. So we're teaching people different ways to influence people uh, and they're going to go out and use it in, in the workplace, but try and get, make it as practical as possible. And uh, the, the kind of big activity for people to practice their skills at the end was a kind of speed influencing. So it's like a speed dating kind of thing, but uh, no, not, no, no dating involved, just about, okay, uh, I'm going to spend five minutes trying to influence person A about something. Uh, so, you know, about whether or not we're alone in the universe or whether or not ghosts exist or these kind of just, just quite general things. And then the whole speed influencing thing, you know, do five minutes with person A, five minutes with person B and C and so on. This is quite a basic kind of way of making something feel a little bit like a game and, and take advantage of some of those things. But I think the really interesting thing here is it would have been quite easy to, and, it, and, it, and in fact, you know, it, it almost did in, in, in terms of the design process for us involved with it, go down the road of it, making it about who did best, who won, who influenced the most people to change their mind. And you know, that's, that's nice and it's relatively easy. You can assign scores, you can have a leaderboard. Um, but actually, I think the more important thing is to make few people feel a sense of their own progress in their influencing skills and, and to make them feel like something's happening for them. So instead of having this thing where it was all points-based with, with, with those kind of uh, you know, uh, leaderboards for, to show progress, kind of broke it down to say, okay, well, we're going to take, take pauses in it and say, okay, what's working, what's not working, and then you know, to try and kind of learn from each other and coach each other as we go. Um, or the, the, the delegates, the learners, and really try and, and build things into it to make them feel that sense of progress. So, yeah, you know, I, I think you have to think about lots of things here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop myself in a second before I go off into it to all kinds of different things you can think about. But, you know, there are different kinds of uh, learners, different kinds of gamers, and some are more motivated by getting points and being top of a leaderboard. But certainly for the thing that you were talking about where people, you know, want to stick with it for a long time, trying to to, to kind of yeah. tap into those internal motivators and a sense of real achievement and progress for yourself and a sense of enjoyment, I think can be much more effective. So, so I'm guessing it'll be, it's a lot challenging when it comes to working with organizations or, you know, trying to come up with a solution. I'm sure most people that you consult with or, or businesses go, you know what, that's what's in fashion, badges, point leadership, points, all that kind of stuff. And that's how you're going to motivate people. And at the end of it, it's going to be the gifts or money or something at the end of some, some sort of reward. How do you kind of, you know, approach that? I do understand one size doesn't fit all, you know, it's not going to motivate everyone. What do you do in that scenario to kind of do the work behind and, and kind of make sure, uh, you know, we're, you're covering both aspects or is, it, is there one more than one aspect? Yeah, definitely. I think the most important thing with anything like this is to think about, well, what do we want to get out of it? 
So to be honest, there might be situations right. where actually all that people do want to get out of is a very short-term burst of improvement on a particular performance metric. And in that case, maybe quite a kind of simple brute force kind of system is going to work quite well for them. And that's fine. Um, but actually, if what they say is, well, we want to see sustained, measurable progress and performance, then we can start to draw on case studies and start to design and start to persuade them that, that actually, if you want that, then people tend to need something that's a little bit more than just you know, a reward. I mean, you can, you can, you can talk to people um, in terms of their own experience, and I find that quite good at persuading people, just like you gave me the example there of you know, falling away with that app. I think most people have had something like that. You know, if you if you start collecting points, reward card points, you know, something like that, a lot of people will start strong and then say, oh, after a while, I'll, I don't know, maybe it takes ten pounds off a shopping each week. I don't really notice it. Um, so you know, it's, it's it's trying to help people see that that's how humans work. That actually, if we just keep rewarding people for things, then they just expect the reward, and it doesn't keep holding the same value. Do you think is there any kind of industry or any type of organization where it's very difficult to, game, if someone's thinking about it, to gamify kind of their training? Because let me give you an example. Um, I worked as a consultant for 12 years. I still do some work. And especially when it comes to the financial sector and, and technology sector, especially financial sector, their training is boring and dry. And God, it's, it's, it's torture to sit down and read through, uh, you know, and half the people, it's, they want to just go next, 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 finish. And that's mm. what it's like. As an organization, they have to kind of put that out and let people know. And it's, it's a tick in the box for them. How do you, um, and, and that was my example, and you, you may or may not have had experience with this. Do you find there's any industry or any type of training that you can't gamify or you shouldn't gamify? Sure, really. I mean, I, I take what you're saying with the dryness of some things, but actually in a way, I think this is some of the best candidates for uh, making things a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit more fun. It is more difficult in a sense because if, if the activity you want people to undertake in its own right is not intrinsically fun, then it gets even harder to use those extrin- intrinsic motivators and you have to start relying a little bit more on the extrinsic ones. But even then, you know, there are less blunt extrinsic motivators than just giving people points for things. So a lot of uh, social motivators of being part of a little mini team or kind of and having some light competition. The competition can be quite complex in terms of how it affects people. But yeah, you know, giving people a social motivation to help each other out, uh, to reward each other's achievements, some of these kind of things, um, I think can just make it a little bit more joined up, a little bit more engaging and different rather than just, okay, we've got to learn all these facts and we've got to memorize them and, and it's really kind of boring. So I don't think dryness is really a reason not to. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to really think of anything. I think you can certainly always think about it. You know, even if something was very serious, for instance, you might think well, that was another reason that oh, this really concerns, you know, something that's, that's quite difficult or serious. But again, I think if you're treating it with the kind of respect that it deserves, you know, I've, I've, I've heard examples of gamification in kind of, uh, you know, uh, war zones or kind of, you know, charity work in developing countries and things like that. So definitely, again, if you're remembering what it is, it is it's just saying any of these elements, which can be tiny, which can be subtle, we're just going to weave them into something that we're doing to try and tap into some of those human motivators. Right. And, you know, it, it's been a few years that I've been hearing about gamification. Where do you think is going to go from from here? Uh, do you think it has a big future? Or do you think at the moment it's 
people are still a bit on the edge about should we, should we not? Yeah, it's interesting, actually. Um, I think it's kind of the crest of its kind of uh, wave as a, as a kind of term and as something that people were really kind of buzzing about was a few years ago. And I think um, what happened was with, 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 like with a lot of buzzwords, people really latched onto it and thought, ah, if we just say, because everyone's talking about gamification, if we just say, well, we're gamifying it, then we can kind of, uh, we, can, we can ride that wave a little bit. I think that's caused a bit of a problem because a lot of people have seen some quite shallow gamification and thought, well, this is what gamification is. So I was wandering around uh, the Learning Technologies exhibition uh, last year. And a lot of the kind of stands that were about gamification were just taking that, that quite shallow thing of just point and leaderboards. Or I think sometimes people think, oh, games, they're quite kind of you know, cartoony, aren't they? You know, you have little kind of cartoon characters running about on screen or whatever. So you know, if we just take our LMS, our learning management system, and, uh, and we, we give you a character and we make you kind of run along and, and get the thing rather than just putting up a list on a screen, that's gamifying it. But in a way, you know, that's like take, trying to design a game by saying, oh, uh, what do successful games have? Well, they have dragons and they have spaceships and they have, you know, you're just mashing them all into one game. It's not going to make a good game. So, but yeah, so I think there's been this kind of uh, process where it's come down a little bit from its, its, its biggest buzz and people are a little bit worried about uh, some of the examples of shallow gamification they've seen. But on the flip side, I think we're now seeing uh, with uh, all of the shift because of COVID-19 to um, a lot of virtual stuff, people are now starting to think, okay, what can we do to make things more interesting now that we are having to do a lot by distance? And that's where you know, it really lends itself quite well because uh, you know, obviously a lot of stuff is doable online um, and it, you know, get a lot of games are, are kind of using computers anyway. So I think gamification and perhaps even more so games-based learning because gamification is where we take game elements and apply it to something that's not a game. But actually sometimes you can just play a game and it's, it is a game. It's not trying to make something like a game. It actually is a game, but it's also a game that teaches you things. Uh, and that in particular, games-based learning, I think is really going to take off uh, over the next while. Um, I can't remember the stats offhand, but I did see some, uh, I think it was CIPD or LPI, um, learning performance institute or Chartered Institute of Personnel Development stats that were talking about how much L&D managers and directors expected games to form part of their learning over the next five, 10 years. And there were some pretty big percentages of those people who are expecting it to form a growing part of their portfolio. It's very interesting that, you know, um, I have nieces and nephews that, you know, that go to um, schools and it's very strange that they haven't adopted that as far as I know. They haven't adopted that as much where it could encourage, you know, I, I can see a real market there for it being, uh, you know, discouraging things like bullying, you know, more teamwork, more encouraging, more being more out there. Very strange that they haven't adopted it yet. You know, almost every child around the, between the ages of 11 and, you know, sometimes even younger have a mobile phone, you know, and they're all got apps there to download and play around with in, in games and all of that. It's very strange that they haven't adapted. Do you see that coming in schools as well? Like, I think so, or? yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've uh, read quite a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I don't get involved in that level of education directly myself, but I've read a lot of articles around hmm. uh, people using that stuff in schools, uh, people using Minecraft, people using kind of games which weren't originally designed for the classroom but can illustrate really good points. I think for me probably what's, what's happening there in terms of it not being adopted quite as widely as it could be, is that, uh, you know, you're talking about teachers who perhaps have grown up, you know, in the generation 
above once you get those kids yeah. who actually have, have been playing uh you know games since they've been able to do anything and all of the time with their phones as you say once they're getting into the point where they're teaching you know there's going to be no reason not to do it um, but i do think it's quite variable actually i think uh education you know you've got a, a common syllabus but you haven't necessarily got a common way to teach that so there's a lot of latitude and i think some teachers are taking it on board quicker than others and and what's what's next for you terry uh what obviously we are in the middle of a so-called crisis hopefully it's kind of coming down now and things are changing what's kind of next for you um you know in terms of your work and the online mm-hmm. world now you know how do, how does it change things for yeah you? it has been a big period of change for me um so as i said at the start i've just kind of started up uh, my new company in told place so it's me trying to make a step to focus more exclusively on games and gamification and actually in a way covid19 uh, has kind of helped that along because a lot of the design work that i was doing under the 360 banner has been uh, based around face-to-face programs or at least stuff with an element of face-to-face. Um, I mean, I, I will see that moving a lot to virtual, I think. But I think you know, it's just an opportunity where I think for me where there's a lot of change already happening and people are changing and rethinking the ways that they're working for me to really focus on the thing that I do passionately and, and say, okay, well, if the world is changing, how, are, how is games-based learning going to take uh, it going to be a part of that for you? And, and, and really help people to do that. Um, so I've got a product that I'm working on in particular uh, at the moment. Well, I just, just kind of finished working on really now. I'm just, just now working on the marketing for it, which is it's actually a physical product, which is interesting, but it's the kind of thing where uh, we're gonna, I'm going to develop an app version of it you know, as the kind of second wave thing. But it's, it's, it's this deck of cards, which is designed to help people who are designing learning experiences to inspire them to make them more game-like, to inspire them to make them more engaging and activity-based uh, whether that's face-to-face or virtual stuff. So kind of inspiration cards, which you can use in different ways. Um, so that's my first big product that I'm gonna, about to launch with, uh, with Untold Play. Awesome. Um, what's the best way for uh, people to connect with you and ask you more questions and find out more about your projects, next projects? Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So that's a great way to find me. You can just find me, Terry Pierce, on LinkedIn. The uh, Untold Play at the moment, the website is just about to launch and the facebook page as well uh the 360 already has those things the, the show notes for this where we can put references to these yeah yes yeah sure. I, can, I can add that yeah, so yeah the yeah. website and facebook page for both businesses fairly soon yeah it's probably the best ways but, but linkedin's a, a great start if it's if it's me personally that people want to connect with i'm always happy to kind of answer people's questions and connect with new people if we share some interests sure awesome any final words before we go just thanks for having me on the show. It's been really good to, to, to speak to you and, and tell you a little bit about some of the things that I'm passionate about. I was, uh, you know, love to speak about those things. And yeah, just if anybody has, has kind of been, you know, peak, has, has piqued their interest listening to some of the things that we've talked about here, then uh, get in touch. And you know, I'd love to talk more. I particularly love to collaborate. So if there's anything that anybody wants to collaborate on in terms of projects involving learning and games and gamification, then uh, I'd love to hear from them. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. No worries. Thanks, Jasbir. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. And if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jasbirarora.com, that's www.jasbirarora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also, um, 
go and take the escape the 95 survey uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur and if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss then yeah once again visit the website and i'll be more than happy to help you thank you for listening